opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where I get to talk to our editors and reporters about the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is Housing Wire Senior Mortgage Reporter, Georgia Cromry, who covers the federal beat. We've got plenty to talk about today, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Why should you price your jumbo loans with Penny Mac TPO? Is it the same great service you've come to expect with their conventional loans? Yes. Is it the competitive pricing they provide? Yes. Is it the fact that after closing, they don't sell off your borrowers so that you know they are in good hands? That would also be a yes. Get more information or price a jumbo AUS loan today at tpo.pennymac.com. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender. In MLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Okay, we are ready to get started. Welcome back to the podcast, Georgia. Thanks, Sarah. What an eventful week. Um, I wanted to start out by... um, Talking about the State of the Union address um, on Tuesday night, it was such an unusual setting and and such an unusual time for him for President Biden to be doing that. But, you know, from our perspective, there's a lot of things to pay attention to, but we're always looking at the housing angle. So I would love for you to give our listeners an update about that. Yeah, so so it's not strictly a housing story, right? But but you know, I was I was listening to the State of the Union, really trying to um, pick up on on any emphasis that um, that Biden was putting on housing and um, and especially any um, any messaging on um, nominees, especially at um, HUD, FHA, um, Federal Reserve, some of the financial um, regulators that are still outstanding. And, and he, he mentioned the, um, the nominees at the, at the Federal Reserve, but, um, but he didn't have, there wasn't any mention of HUD or FHA, which was really what I was interested. Was he, was he going to, um, to remind lawmakers that, that they should um, go ahead and confirm his nomination and um, and give FHA a Senate confirmed commissioner. So um, so that's 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 what I was listening for. He didn't say anything about that, but he did mention um, affordable housing kind of in the context of reducing costs. For um, um, for Americans, in order to reduce inflation overall, but it was very much a kind of a, a passing mention, um, and you know, I I I find I find that surprising. Um, uh, you know, ho- housing is a it, housing makes up um, or inflation is made up of uh, in large part um, housing costs. So. Um, so I, I always think it's interesting that there's not more of an emphasis on on housing when you talk about inflation. But um, but in, in regards to to kind of uh, more broadly the federal agencies and um, and the federal government, um, he 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 thinks that the vast majority of federal workers will once again work in person. He said. Um, 
so that that may be um, a bit of a change. I think um, I think some of them are beginning to um, go back to in person work, but I I don't I haven't heard any um, full full scale returns um, as far as I know. Really interesting. You know, thanks for updating us on that. I, I I find it fascinating at that federal level as we go into midterm elections, when we look at presidential elections, how much or how little they talk about housing is is very interesting to us, obviously. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he he did say, um, you know, in order to, to fight inflation, he he needs um, he needs for his Federal Reserve nominees to be confirmed. And and I thought and and you know that that's fair. I thought that was interesting though because um, he does have uh, three nominees, um, three new nominees for um, Federal Reserve governors um, and vice chair of supervision. But um, you know, Chair Powell and Lyle Brainerd, they're both already at the Federal Reserve. Um, chair Powell was um, uh, he is chair pro tempore. Um, for the time being, so it's so it's it's not like Chair Powell's work um, is waiting on a uh, confirmation. I just want to make sure that that is is clear. So so Biden said that, and at the same time, I was thinking, well, <laughs> is that is that is that really true? Since they're already in their um, in their roles, unlike you know, for example, Julie Gordon at FHA, who just needs needs to be confirmed in order to even um, you know get get in get in the chair. No, great points, both of those. And, you know, um, I think this morning we see that um, the Federal Open Market Committee has said that they are planning to continue with uh, raising interest rates at their next meeting, which you've been reporting about what they're going to be doing. And specifically last week with, with the invasion of Ukraine, you wrote a story called Ukraine conflict could lead to lower mortgage rates in the short term. Would love to talk to you about that. Yeah, so um so this is it's a it's a bit um it's like a bit counterintuitive, but the so so the prevailing wisdom, the rule of thumb is that um any turmoil abroad, any conflict, any um you know, any uncertainty, any geopolitical uncertainty is going to lead investors to um, search for safe havens. And those are um, those those are often um, mortgage backed securities, bonds. Um, and and so that um, that that puts downward pressure on mortgage rates usually. But um, we're already seeing high inflation and um, the fact that Russia is an oil producing nation, sanctions on Russia are going to it, there's there's some debate over this over you know whether they're targeted or or not, but sanctions on Russia can also um, raise costs here and so um, and so there are these two forces that are kind of working against each other. The fact that um, in inflation um, is, is going to be made worse by war um, and not better. That's that's what Melissa Cohn at William Revice Mortgage told me. Um, and while at the same time, um, you know, investors are going to be looking for that um, those those safe haven investments. So um, so it's 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 an interesting dynamic. In the short term, um, economists were telling me that that rates are probably going to go down, but in the long term, and especially if this if this um, conflict uh, lingers or expands um, beyond the borders of of, um, of Ukraine or or anything like that, um, then then um, that could change. Well, and, you know, we just we just had seen mortgage rates, 
you know, average 30-year mortgage rates get above 4% here in the last month. And so it's interesting to see another factor come along and and knock them back down a little bit. We saw that last week. We'll see what what happens again um, with the, the Freddie Mac survey when it comes out. Yeah, that was interesting because that, I mean, I, I think because the Freddie Mac survey came out just before, um, just just before we really knew anything about the conflict in, in Ukraine. And so I have to think that that was kind of based on kind of just just leading up to the conflict and kind of didn't include already a reaction um, to the conflict. So, yeah, it will be really interesting to see um tomorrow what um what what is in the um the data this week when you talked about a flight to safety and that that makes so much sense i think that um this war escalated so quickly into something different than maybe people anticipated right definitely didn't feel like oh this this could be as a draw in as many players mm-hmm. as it has so it'll be interesting to see what that flight to safety looks like going forward where where other conflicts other wars might have had a more short-term impact. Right. Right. Yeah. This is, I mean, the trajectory of this is going to be really different if this lasts for, um, for a long time. I don't, and, and, and I don't know, you know, um, it's really, it's really tough to say. I think, I think no one has a um, crystal ball on this. Certainly, um, certainly not me. So, um, but it'll be interesting. And, um, and, and Fed Chair, Powell is um, testifying this morning before Congress. He already submitted test. He already submitted his testimony that rate hikes are going to go forward, and so um, that that is the um, the Fed's plan to um, to reduce inflation. And um, so so it it seems like there aren't big adjustments um, in reaction to the conflict in Ukraine, and and you know that that could that could change um, if if the conflict goes on for a longer period. We'll be uh, looking to your reporting um, on that as it continues to unfold. Our, our lead analyst, Logan Motoshami, also keeps a very close eye on the 10-year yield and, and what that might do to interest rates. So listeners, check back because as, as we all know, this is a, a very rapidly changing situation. Um, I'd love to pivot now, Georgia, to another story that you covered recently, which was around um, appraisal bias. So you know, it started with um, a social media post by an appraisal bias researcher and then got the attention of Maxine Waters, the congressman. So maybe you can walk us through what what was the original post about? What what is what started all this? Yeah, so so I I was going back and forth a little bit with the researcher, um, um, Elizabeth Corver Glenn. Um, who received this email? So, and 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 she apparently had um, never met this person again. Um, I I thought perhaps you know they had they had had some um, some run in or a conflict or you know perhaps he was an interview subject because a, a lot of her research um, is is um is is centered on on appraisal bias and and in her research she um she interviews appraisers and lots of stakeholders and so I thought you know perhaps that that that's how this arose but no she had never met him and and you know to to her knowledge he was not a interviewed um subject or anything like that um this person an, an appraiser um I'm not going to call him out here but um this this appraiser sent an email to um to to her it was um it was it was pretty it was pretty outrageous it um included um um some you know 
um, some some references to um, neighborhoods being being homogenous. It it in, in included um, he criticized her for her work um, uh, studying appraisal bias and said that appraisals were not racist and then kind of went on to prove himself wrong. And it was, you know, it was really pretty stunning language. If you haven't had a chance to um, to see what was in it, I, I um, encourage you to go and, and read the story. But um, but Corver Glenn um, responded to that, at least publicly, by posting screenshots of it on her social media. And that was a few weeks ago. And um, then we sort of didn't hear anything. You know, you didn't didn't there were no statements really from um, from appraisal trade groups or from regulators who who said, hey, we're taking a look at this. And and, um, you know, this is sort of it just appeared to go away. But then Congresswoman Waters um, seems to have taken notice and um, said that she um We'll be proposing legislation um, that addresses this. Um, she also called on HUD to um, do a, a systemic investigation and look into this matter. And so, and so when when um, when Waters kind of got into got into this, then you start um, getting responses from the trade groups, the the appraisal trade groups from. Um, you know, from from HUD and um, and I and I think um, it, it will be it will be interesting to see what happens as a result of this. Um, from a from a standpoint of how does this impact the appraisals he has already done or the appraisals he will do going forward? He he's um, he's the owner of an appraisal firm that does residential and commercial appraisals um, in um, in the Carolinas and Virginia and Georgia. And um, and my question was um, to to a lot of different entities. My question was, well, what what happens now if if you, if you find out that an appraiser is just you know um, flagrantly um, racist, then what do you do with the appraisals he's already done? Is there any sort of extra monitoring, or is there an audit of of his appraisals? Is there um, you know, is, is and and more more broadly, not just with this appraiser, is there a um, is there a mechanism in um, in in any of the underwriting process and any of the um, the GSEs processes? Is there a mechanism for kind of de- detecting something like this and raising a flag? You know, the same way that you would raise a flag if on say an appraisal report um, had a missing address. Or um, you know some other unreliable information. Is there, is there some flag for um, you know? Hey, there's there's a there's a reference to a protected class right in the appraisal report. Um, you know, perhaps there should be um, further scrutiny um, of of this of this appraisal of this appraiser. I, I don't I don't know. So that that's a little bit unclear to me still. And it's it's interesting that this is happening right now, of course. The timing is really um is, is really key because we are all waiting for the um the, the report from the appraisal task force led by HUD. That is supposed to be in the next um couple of weeks, although in fairness I have been saying the next couple of weeks for um a little <laughs> while now. <laughs> And, and I'm not the well, only and one I who's noticed last... that it's shifting a little bit. It seems to be <laughs> maybe they're putting more things in the in, in the report. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> 
Well, and I mean, especially because we we really thought, okay, it's going to be by the end of February. Like that oh, was yeah. the, the <laughs> intel kind of like that everybody was thought. It's like, okay, well, it's March. So when yep. are the, the end of this week? But this might be something where they 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 um, they're thinking, okay, well, we've got to you know we've got to take another look at this, and this this kind of revealed um, extra extra angles for us to look at, and more stuff needs to go in the report. I'm not sh- I'm not sure. Um, yeah. It does happen against this background of just increased scrutiny on appraisal bias. We've got that task force. So in, in some ways you think, you know, especially if you're an appraiser who, you know, is doing a good job, it's not this kind of person, it must be so disheartening to see this blow up yet another story of a really terrible person, uh, I shouldn't say a really terrible viewpoint. I don't know this person, but if he, you know, the viewpoints that he's espousing were just, um, as you said, really flagrantly uh, terrible. And, and also just, I just don't understand how people can say, you know, there's no such thing as racism and then go on and, and demonstrate that absolutely that's, you know, he, to your point, he characterized whole neighborhoods and whole, whole uh, different kinds of people. Um, and presumably, and he even says, these are the neighborhoods he's going in to do appraisals on. Yeah. So yeah. Um, houses there. So to your point, what is the, what happens next? And the reason that the researcher put it on social is because he uh, listed his appraisal designations from the appraisal Institute on his email to her. And so she was really calling on the appraisal Institute and the appraisal foundation to say, Hey, what are you going to let this person continue to have these credentials when he's clearly violated some of the, um, or seems to have violated some of the principles of, of fair appraising. So I think it is interesting to your point that um, it, it, you know, we didn't hear right away, but now there's been a very big response from many appraisal organizations against, you know, this type of rhetoric. Yeah. You know, there has, there has been a, um, a stronger response um, since, Maxine Waters got involved, and um, and she, you know, she tends to have that effect. So, but you know, at the same time, I did not see any of these organizations, any of the appraisal organizations, or the state regulatory boards, or um, the appraisal foundation. I did not see anyone kind of, you know, getting out there and saying, you know, what the buck stops with us. We are going to take a look. We are going to. Um, you know, we are going to look into this matter and we're going to report back and, you know, there's, there's going to be action either, you know, we're, we're going to assess whether, um, the ethical standards of our trade association, um, were, were not met and, and, um, and expel him or, or look at his membership, or we're going to, um, audit his appraisals or take some action. I mean, I, I think, I think that, you know, that, that they're making statements is, is one thing, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always keen to see what, um, what action is there to, um, to, to back any of those statements up. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's hard for other, um, for other entities that, are in the transaction, um, you know, the, the GSEs, the lenders, certainly all of, all of the, um, transaction depends in some way, depends on the, the appraisal, um, alone doesn't close without, um, without that. And so I, I think that people are sensitive to, um, you know, not alienating appraisers, um, too much because they're, they're such an important part of, um, of, of getting, getting loans done. 
So, so I, I think, I think maybe there's some reticence there, um, you know, to, to, to take a stronger, um, strong, stronger position on this as far as action goes. Yeah. It's, that is interesting. And I think also, I think they're just trying to grapple with who, where does the buck stop to to your, well, that's the other thing, the, the, yeah, the, the, the oversight structure for the, um, for the appraisal industry is really confusing. It's, you know, I, I, I'm reaching out to like a dozen different entities and they're all kind of in, in some way saying it's not us, it's the other guy. Yeah, you so, had a whole uh, a whole story on the governance uh, of appraisals and what that looks like. And then, you know, I'm sure they're not <laughs> not trying to open up a can of worms, but you do wonder, like, is it the people who credential them? Is it the people who assign him to that? Is does the lender have or the people who set the standards or right. um or the or the people who buy the loans, or is it the or is it the um the AMC that that tells them to do the appraisal, or is it the lender that pays for the appraisal to be done? So, yes, it's unclear um, whose responsibility at the end of the day it is. I think you know uh, I wrote about this in we have an appraisal newsletter that goes out to you know people can subscribe to. We also have ones for loan officers. We have several specialty ones. And I write the one uh, aimed at appraiser, people in the appraisal profession, also just people who are interested in appraisals. And I wrote about this yesterday, this particular article, and I asked for comments. Um, and I think the thing about when you ask for comments, you know, you're you're getting a subset of people that I don't think reflects the the greater necessarily, um, you know, the appraisers in our industry. But it always brings out some, you know, unpleasantness. <laughs> And it's just shocking to me that, uh, you know, what, what I got from some of those people was like, there's no, they echoed what he said. There's no such thing as bias in appraisals and then, or that appraisers aren't biased and basically bringing up the fact that there might be, you know, racial bias in appraisals is the problem. And uh, it's it's such an interesting viewpoint to me that I just don't understand. We've had this happen over and over again on different issues where people are like, "There's you know the pro- there's not a problem. The problem is the media bringing up the problem, or you're creating the problem." And I don't know how yeah. anyone yeah. looks at the email that this person sent and doesn't recognize that while it's hard to say is there a you know how widespread it is, what the systemic problem is, it's clear that this person who is an appraiser you know, used racist language and, and very offensive things. So it's always just very interesting to me how people can kind of split those two things out. Maybe they could even say, I'm not, you know, if I'm an appraiser, you know, I'm not racist. They could make that argument. But to to look at what he said and what I, what you reported on, what my newsletter was on and say, there's no such thing as this. It's like, <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> don't know how yeah. to help you. Yeah. It's, it's like, Suspension of disbelief. I mean, yeah, it it's really, um, <laughs> yeah. And but but I think what you what you brought up it's a it's a good one. Like like what what it's a good point. Like to what extent is this systemic? How widespread? And what kinds of transactions? All of this we really don't know. Um, there have been some studies. There was a study from Freddie Mac. There was some more work by Fannie Mae. Um, FHFA did a. Um, a, a blog post, not really um, a comprehensive study. Um, and so a lot of questions remain. And so, you know, I really, um, um, you know, I, I sympathize with the viewpoint that, you know, wait a second, we're taking action to address this problem when we don't know the extent of it, um, because there is a lot about about um, the extent of it we, we don't know. 
and um and and that there's kind of you know often this um knee jerk reaction um when when the issue of appraisal bias is brought up and i think a lot of that is because the um the regulations just really haven't uh, been developed in the same way in the appraisal industry as as um as in the rest of the housing finance ecosystem and so um you know i mean i mean banking regulators um look for discrimination are supposed to look for discrimination and um and that's kind of all the the normal course of of um of of oversight um and and those conversations just haven't really been had in the same way in the appraisal industry and so i think they're kind of blindsided but um and and they and they feel um singled out but it's it's just because those conversations haven't happened yet it's a great point. I do think, you know, I mean, I feel like appraisers who we know, you know, and I know and and um, have talked to some great appraisers who are just, you know, amazing people and um, are doing a great job. Very uh, exciting to see them in the profession. But, you know, in general, uh, appraisers have been, uh, you know, they, they've gotten the short end of the stick in many ways since the financial crisis in the sense of, you know, their their rates have been cut, their uh, their that all the work they put into being an appraiser didn't doesn't get taken into consideration. You know, now now those things are changing a little bit, but the fact that they've already put in all that time and effort and uh to become an appraiser and and yet, you know, the rates that they can get are very uh are, are not what they were. And in at the same time, you know, they see threats from everywhere, whether it's, you know, continuing automation or other parties coming into it. So I can understand that there the defensiveness as a profession in general. I just think on this particular point, it's it's tricky. And and I've met lots of appraisers who it just it kills them to see these stories because that's not the way they are. That's not the way they run their companies. That's not their experience of being an appraiser or or being in appraising. Um, so you know, I feel I feel for the the good guys who have to suffer anytime somebody does this. Yeah, and I I think they're also looking to their trade associations. They're looking to the regulators. I mean, it's really for um for those entities to kind of um set you know set the tone and and kind of model a response. I mean, I don't I don't know if um if this whole brouhaha over the email could have been kind of um, headed off a little bit if any of the either the appraisal foundation or the appraisal institute or or HUD for that matter had been proactive and said um, you know what we noticed this on um, on Elizabeth Corvergland's Twitter account and um, and we're looking and we're looking into it you know HUD HUD could have easily right. um, you know of course they don't announce when publicly when they're when they launch their lending investigations as much as I'd love that they did but um <laughs> they don't do that but um so so they may have I, I don't know but but if if um if those organizations had looked at that and said you know what you know we condemn this in the strongest terms and these are the actions we're going to take I wonder if kind of some of the tension could have been taken out of it because basically Congresswoman um, Waters came in and and um, and and uh, made uh, made all of these entities take action. Um, so, it, yeah, it really characterizes, I think, the back to your story about the regulatory structure of, you know, who who oversees appraisers is that it does seem very reactive. 
right? As an industry, as their their trade organizations, as their regulators, like it just seems like a very reactive thing. We we've been trying to get um, appraisal complaints, right, uh, that are filed with uh, the federal government, different agencies. That's been like mm-hmm. you know yep. they they don't release those, so it's it's almost impossible for us as an outside organization to even or anybody to really look and see what is the true uh, picture here. So can be frustrating that it feels like part of the problem is just an organizational one. Yeah, for sure. There's there there are structural um, obstacles here to um, to to providing more clarity. I think on the on the complaints side of things, you've got a few issues there. People consumers um, don't know where they should complain if they do experience bias in a in an appraisal. Um, should they complain to HUD because it's a fair lending matter? Should they complain to the CFPB because it's a consumer matter? Um, most often, they actually complain to um, to their lender, and it's and it's part of a reconsideration of value process. But that process, of course, is totally um, uh, you know totally opaque. That's that's not a public process. That's that's not a government process at, at all. And so, really, it's it's anyone's guess how um how often someone um complains about um appraisal bias or what that consists of if if they do um you know i've seen there there are a handful of appraisal bias complaints um on the uh, on the CFPB's complaint database and i've looked at the um the descriptions and you know it's sometimes not clear to me how the how the person decided that um that there was appraisal bias or how they how how they were were made aware that there's that there's appraisal bias in the transaction um you know they're they're not fair lending experts um certainly and you know so that so that might often happen if they feel like like the the valuation was off or you know i think like the picture of how systemic this is what it looks like what appraisal bias look, looks like we have all of these questions about that and, and and it's really been difficult to get answers on that of course hud says that hud has said um at least since the last may that they have seen a big uptick in appraisal bias complaints that they receive um but they also have a new portal for receiving the um the uh, appraisal bias complaints so i wonder if some of that uptick is due to to their actually soliciting them now um you know and and they they didn't necessarily have a um you know a, a dedicated um intake for for the complaints before so i think it's really hard to say what 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 is the universe of complaints and who has the most of it you know it is i feel like the entire process in some ways is a black box and crossing my fingers that this uh interagency task force what what they come up with is is part of you know increasing transparency at at some level uh, in some way right so i, I feel like that's the only way forward if we're if we're really going to tackle this issue and and get it down yeah, everyone is holding their breath waiting for the um the 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 task force's report. It will be very interesting. We and we hope to see it. I hope that the next time that we talk we're not still like in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> we we don't control these things, so we are just if, if the next it. time I'm on I'm on this podcast I say we expect it in the next several weeks, please call me out because uh, I I feel like I have said that a couple of times now. <laughs> If only we were in charge of this, Georgia, we would we would have a different timeline. Um, well, your you know excellent reporting across the board on the federal beat. Really, um, these are some really important stories. What do you have um, that you're working on now that we can look forward to? 
Yeah, so um, so the big thing right now is rate hikes and what uh, what 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 we can tell about um, um, what the what the Fed strategy is um, based on um, Chair Powell's testimony. So I'm going to be looking looking very closely at that, and I'm also working on some coverage on um, banks and mergers and what happens when there is a public allegation of redlining and whether that can be um, damaging to um, to an institution. So I'm, I'm really looking to um, talk to people to, to, to kind of get get past the um, get past the rhetoric and talk about how that can impact um, an institution's um, uh, business. Well, really looking forward to reading those as always. And um, thanks for taking the time away from this very busy beat of yours to, to talk with us. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.